Thanks for joining us through the Crossbridge Podcast. We hope this message speaks to you wherever you may be on your spiritual journey and helps you take your next step of growth in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Crossbridge or to speak with one of our ministry team members, please visit crossbridge.church. Welcome, Crossbridge. I want to welcome our Peru campus, our Morris campus, and our online campus. Hey, I am really, really, again, excited about this series, and I'm excited uh, this week to talk to you about the story of Abraham. It's found in Genesis chapter 12, um, and I'm going to start there in just one moment, as this is a significant story right here at the beginning of the Bible. Um, I want to share just a little news, though, with you. I think many of you heard this uh, this past week as we sent out an all-church email, but Pastor Galen has accepted a new position at Chicago First Church of the Nazarene uh, in a teaching slash discipleship role. Um, that's hard news for us. Truth is, um, that makes me really sad. And uh, But I'm trying to be excited for him. I, I think that's a great role for him. I think it's going to use his gifts and talents the way God has made him. And, uh, and I really want to be able to celebrate, even though that's hard, I want to be able to celebrate God's call upon his life. And I do trust him. I trust that when Galen and Justine say they feel like God is calling them to Chicago First Church, that he's calling them. And so uh, as hard as it is, I hope that in the midst of our grieving them, we can also celebrate when they make obedient decisions following God's plan for their life. In fact, um, as we talk about call, that's where we're going to pick up in the story of Abraham. Genesis chapter 12 We're going to look at the first three verses to start with, and here's what it says. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. As we skip a little bit further in Genesis, we get back here to Genesis chapter 15. And I'm going to be jumping around a little bit because the story of Abraham, it's a longer story, but I want to be able to hit several pieces of this and kind of help you to see the big picture. Verses one through six in chapter 15, it says this, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. I want to pray for us before we go any further. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity to share your word. I'm thankful for this story, for this whole story, God's story. And I pray that as we work through it, as we started last week in the beginning of Genesis, and as we continue and we talk about Abram, um, God, I pray that you would open our eyes to help us see what we need to see, and you would apply it to each of us. Help me, Lord, to hear you, 
I pray that you would help me to think of my words that you want me to declare and God connect them to people's hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, um, as I was thinking about, uh, here's, here's one of the things I'm gonna tell you. So in the midst of this story, um, you're gonna hear me refer to Abram in, in a passage and Abraham, Sarai and Sarah. And so their names change. We're talking about the same people, just so you know. Um, here, here's where we're gonna start. Big picture, this, right, it is God's story. When, when we're talking about the story and we're reading this one chapter at a time each week, this is God's story. But here's kind of the cool part, that God chooses people like you and me and Abraham, right, to be characters in his great story. In fact, I thought Pastor Kevin from our Peru campus, yeah, you can give him a hand, he, uh, he did a great job last week. In fact, he talked about in the beginning that God created the heavens and the earth. And what a great way to start this series. What a great way to paint this picture of a huge God, right? That, that writes this story and includes us in it. In fact, God is so big. And, and what a privilege is it, it is that not only he creates us, but then he invites us to be in, a, in this part, um, in a part of his bigger story. In fact, that we would get to share, multiply, as Kevin talked about last week, this love that he plants in us to those around us. God has been doing this since the beginning and um, he's been using people. And I think as we look at the life of Abraham, he's one of the first ones that we see it, that we see his call upon and and we see that kind of unfold. In fact, um, when I think about God calling us, you and me, to be a part of his story, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool thing. Here's, here's what I want you to think about. Um, Abraham, you know, pretty significant figure that we start with in the Bible, right? That, that he really wasn't a great selection, like from our vantage point, from probably people's vantage point, he would not be this great casting decision that God made to put in his story. In fact, some of the reading I was doing this week, Abraham, it says, he came from a pagan family with a background of not worshiping one God, but worshiping many gods. It it seems weird that you got this this man who comes from this background of worshiping many gods, and then God comes along and says, hey, I'm going to use you, like you are going to be the one who like is the father of nations, right? Listen to Joshua 24 as it talks about a little bit of history of of his family. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshiped other gods. That's where we get that from. You know, um, I saw a quote this week that said, for Abraham to look to just one God to supply all his needs was radically countercultural in his day. I don't know if we've ever really thought about that. You know, I think we would assume that like Abraham must have just been this faithful guy that worshiped one God and, um, and that's all he knew, but it's just not the case. In fact, God chooses, as you'll see this, as we go through this book, as we go through the story, what you're gonna see over and over and over is that God chooses unlikely characters, unlikely candidates to call and to use in the midst of the story. If I'm being completely transparent with you, 
um, even I would say this about my own life, um, I have felt this way most of my life. I have felt like, uh, like I really didn't look like a pastor and that I wasn't the best candidate to be one. Um, if, if you'd have known me back in college, I think many people who went to school with me would say I was not the most likely to, uh, to come out and pastor a church. Um, and, and, and here's kind of the cool thing, that God takes unlikely people and he uses them. I think back many years, in fact, someone just the other day, I was, I was sitting with a couple and I was doing premarital counseling with them. And, and um, one of them said to me, they said, Kevin, when did you first feel a call to be a pastor? And, and I hadn't thought about that in a very long time. And I was thinking back to it and I was remembering it and I was telling the story and I just thought, man, that all those feelings came back. Those feelings of there's no way God could use me in this kind of way. There's no way I could ever speak in front of people. I mean, I, I, I didn't want to take speech class. Um, I didn't want to take preaching class. I was scared to death to talk in front of people. And, and I think about where he's brought me now. See, uh, there is, when it comes to our past, when it comes to where we come from, when it comes to our fears, when it comes to maybe my, how we might see our value, God sees it very differently. God sees our potential and he calls us to fulfill the potential that he's created for us to live into. You know, um, I believe when God gets a hold of a life, we're not just living into our human potential, but his potential to fulfill the life we were created for. Now, let's not go too far with this, um, because here's what I would say. Um, As much as he calls people to do his work and he can call normal people like myself or like you or like Abraham in the midst of this story. Um, there's a lot of times where our stories in God's story and like what he's doing in our life, like it just, there's a lot of times it looks messy. There's a lot of times that it's far from perfect. In fact, in the midst of this story, Abraham and Sarah, um, there was a piece here where they took things into their own hands and it got really, really ugly. If you're looking at Genesis chapter 16, Genesis chapter 16, and if we look at verses one through six, here's where we see things taking a turn, okay? Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. This, this could be like a bad movie, right? So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go, Sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai took his wife. Sarai took, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my servant in your arms and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. And here's what Abram says. Your servant is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. Now that, folks, right, that's a mess. And I was thinking about how ugly this turns, right? Just, just listen to like some of these big ideas. 
that you've got this Sarai, Sarah, we'll call her, right? Her name's getting ready to change in a little bit. Um, she has a slave. That slave's name's Hagar. So she goes to her husband and she says, hey, why don't you go sleep with my slave? And, and then what's crazy is, right, if we're reading this, that Abram actually agrees to it. She conceives. Hagar starts to resent Sarai. And, and Sarah says, Abram, this is your fault. Now, I could preach a whole sermon on that, right? Doesn't it seem weird to me? It does to me. That uh, in so human nature, right? I mean, whose idea was this? And yet Sarah somehow blames Abram. I'm just saying. Um, okay, I'll move on. So Sarah mistreats her, right? Goes on to say, well, actually, Abram says, no, this is on you. This isn't on me. This is on you. And it goes on to say she mistreats her and she flees. And the story continues on a downhill slant. Seems like a weird story with weird happenings to be so high profile in the Bible. And here's some things though to keep in mind. I was doing some study this week because I thought, let's talk about context, right? Anytime we look at a story like this, we have to recognize the context that it's in. See, in the ancient world, they placed an enormous importance on producing offspring to safeguard the family inheritance. That, folks, was a big deal. In fact, marriage contracts would even outline potential options in case of infertility. Husbands could divorce infertile wives. They could take on concubines. Husbands could have multiple wives of equal status. They could even adopt an heir if they couldn't produce one. So Sarah may seem crazy to us. (laughs) It's almost weird to say, right? But this was probably more the norm for the day. So here's, here's, I think, what is worth noting as we look at this. Let us not take our eyes off God's promises and take things into our own hands. In fact, um, I think it's easy to look at this story and be so hard on Abraham and Sarah to say, what in the world were they thinking? Um, how could they do this? Like, why in the world would they think that's a great idea? But my guess is, you and me, um, we're not good at waiting on God to fulfill his promises. We're just not. I don't think we're made that way. I'm not made that way. I'm impatient. There's times where I'm praying about something, I'm asking him about something, and I am not good at waiting. And I don't know about you, but there's many times where I take things into my own hands and I begin to try to make them happen. In fact, um, I was reminded of it even this week. There was a situation at the church and um, it's a staffing situation. It's not Galen, but it was a staffing thing. And um, I really thought that uh, I had someone who was going to be a really good fit for a role that we could use. And I was so excited. And I talked to them the previous week and, and, and I was beginning to see some of the pieces that we needed around the church. And I thought, man, this person could do it. I could hear the angels singing. I thought it was going to work out. And um, then on Monday, uh, we had the follow-up phone call, and right when he started talking, I mean, right when he started talking, I knew. I, I've had that phone call before. It's like, it's like the um, we should just be friends conversation, and, uh, and I saw it coming, and sure enough, you know, there was the, there was the retreat, there was, the, and, and I, man, I walked out of the building that day, and I, I can remember it um, very clearly. I had my backpack on, and I got to my car, and I was just so frustrated. And I threw my backpack in the car 
And I sat there for a little bit, and, and my exact words were this. It, it was a prayer along the lines of, um, God, that is not how I would have done it. In fact, God, that one really doesn't make sense. Um, like, I, I, I hope you know what you're doing, and, uh, and I'm going to try to do my best to trust you, but I'm not sure you got that one right. That's how I felt, right? Now, give me a little grace too, right? I, I was frustrated, but how many times do we, how many times do we pray those prayers of, God, do you really know what you're doing? Because if I was going to fix this, or if I was going to make this happen, or if it was going to be as I wanted it to be, it would look a lot different than what you just did. You know, I think there's so many times I wish I could see into the future to see what God is doing, because it's in those moments, right, that we have to trust that God's ways are better than ours, that we're so much better to take our hands off and just admit that we don't know enough, that we're not all-knowing, that we're not all-powerful, and that he is, and he has our best interest in mind. As hard as that is, right? Many of us, it's, it, it's a constant struggle. See, God works perfectly in the midst of our imperfections. I don't know about you, I find faith to be challenging. Believing when we can't see and when it doesn't make sense is not easy. In Genesis 17, God says to Abraham, regarding your really old wife, this is kind of a funny passage, regarding your really old wife, I will bless her and give you a son from her. It says that Abraham bowed to the ground and he chuckled, he laughed in disbelief. In fact, what he said was, I'm 100 and she's 99, <laughs> right? And, and wouldn't we? Right? If, if God said, hey, you know, I, if I was 100 years old and Rachel was 99, hey, I'm going to bless you with a son, I think, yeah, right. You know, the Lord appeared again a little bit later in chapter 18. It says they were near an oak grove, and Abraham looked up, and he noticed three men standing there. He invites them to a meal. Sarah's in the kitchen cooking, and, and they're talking outside the tent, and, and all of a sudden, here's what they say. Genesis 18, verse 10. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Again, it says that Sarah laughed. I'm old, and my husband is older. That, that's, that's my um, paraphrasing, but that's, that's really what she says. In fact, some thoughts uh, to come to mind this week. Um, here, here's, here's how I want you to translate this. I don't know about you, but... In this story, um, I think it, it's, it's a crazy story, right? It's, it's got this, this middle ground where like they did everything wrong. Um, you know, God makes this promise. They take it into their own hands and they do everything wrong. And then God begins to like put it back together. That God begins to bless them and find a way to honor this promise in spite, in spite of all their imperfections um, and they're turning from him and doing their own thing and taking things into their own hands. And, and, and here's, here's one of the things that it struck me. Um, in fact, when I think about this 100-year-old and this 99, and in fact, both of them, when they heard the news of what God wanted to do, it says that they laughed. They laughed in disbelief. What is it in our life? I want you to think about this with me. In fact, maybe even right now you'd say, God, show me, right? What is it in your life that seems too old, that seems too far gone, that seems absolutely impossible, 
that maybe something you would say, like, God, like, I really, like, I think this is what you want for me. I, I, I think this is how you would want me to live. I think this is the decision you'd want me to make. But even in thinking about that change or that thing that God might be calling you to, it's so out there that it would cause you to laugh. It would cause you to say, there is just no way. You know, I think that's human. I think it's normal. And and what I would also say is, um, I think it's like God to do things that as we look at them, we would say they're impossible. They would be things that almost upon thinking about them, we might laugh and say, probably not gonna happen. And then sometimes God does something. In fact, you know, we've talked about this for months, right? That God would do far more, far more than what we could ever possibly imagine that he could do. I think this is Abraham and Sarah. In fact, and then here's what I love. Here's what I love is this story goes on and you're really talking about a couple people who I think early on in this story didn't have a lot of faith. Early on in this story, they were taking everything into their own hands. And then what they saw was God do something miraculous in the delivering of a son and the delivering of this Isaac at this age in which it should have never happened. But here's, here's what I do believe, even though at times I struggle to, that God is faithful to his promises. That when he tells us something in this book and he gives us a truth, um, a value, a, a, a way to live, a say, man, if, if you'll do this, I will do this, that he is faithful to be who he says he is. And here's what I think. God helps us over time to see how our sometimes less than perfect stories can reveal his perfect story. That God can help us see over time how sometimes our less than perfect stories can reveal his perfect story. Sarah goes on. She has that baby boy, name him Isaac. We see much later in the story, this is where it's really interesting, right? So God goes to all this length at age 199 and bringing a son. And then a little bit later in the story, it says, God tests Abraham. He challenges him to take that son, to take him on a walk up the mountain, to, to, in a sense, put him on a rock and to sacrifice him, to sacrifice his only son, who basically God had delivered on his promise to provide. Um, If there's a lot of details to that story, I'm not gonna go into it all, but what ends up happening is um, at the last moment, as Abraham is being faithful and and he's trusting God completely and he's raising the knife, um, God provides a sacrifice in place uh, of of his son and in a sense lets him off the hook. Hebrews 11 says this, by faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. That is a really cool picture. Here's what comes to mind when I think about Crossbridgers. When I think about you and Morris, when I think about you in Peru, when I think about you online, um, our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Every week, I pray and trust and hope 
that God's gonna lead people to our campuses who do not know him. It's not that, hey, if you're a believer, I think anytime the word's shared, you can grow from it. You can listen, you can apply it to you. You can continue to grow in your faith. That, hey, when, when we say lead people into a growing relationship, we, we want everyone to be growing. But here's what, I'm, here's what I'm confident of. Faith has to start somewhere. It has to start somewhere. And, and this story is a great picture that, that God's okay taking someone from the wrong side of the tracks who, you know, who's an unlikely candidate to be a part of his story and, and calling him to trust him at his promises. And, and here's what I know, that even when you first start walking in faith, there's gonna be many times when you try to take it into your own hands. When you try to take things into your own hands and you have trouble trusting God, I get it. But then I think what you'll discover is that as you do trust him and as you do commit to say, God, it is your ways in which I want. And even though it doesn't make sense, I'm gonna trust you that what you will see is God be faithful. And then what you'll see over time is, is when those little times come and we do, like God, God tests us to a certain degree to say, will you trust me here? Will you trust me here? You trust me back here, will you trust me here? And I think... Here's what I hope for all of us. That faith starts somewhere, but as we walk in that relationship with Jesus, that our faith increases to where it gets easier to say yes when we can't see. That it gets easier to say yes when at times we're saying, God, I don't understand what you're doing. This is not the way I would choose it, but I will trust you. You know, I have to be honest. Um, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I'm going to. And, and I'm going to talk to you about one more minute. Even when I think about how I started this message and talking about Pastor Galen, the truth is when that first happened and, um, and I thought about him leaving Crossbridge, that, that's very, like, it's hard. I think, you know, it's really hard to find great staff. I'm thankful for the staff that we have. And it'd be my hope that they would all stay forever. And, and yet, here's, oh, here's the reminder that I felt like God whispered in my ear, that there will always be times where we are called not just to say, hey, we, we got all the great team players and we're going to keep them. There's times when I will call people and we will take our hands off and we will send them. And just as God calls, that he can also give, that his promises will be faithful, that when it comes to Crossbridge, we're going to have all that we need that this is going to be, a, I believe, it's going to be a great stretching kind of thing for Galen. It puts him in a position to, uh, to do what God has called him to do. But God is going to deliver someone else who will pick that up and it'll be the person that we need. Now, take that and lay it on your life. Lay it on your life in a way which you would say, um, you know, there may be some things going on with you which you would say, Man, I don't see how this is going to work, but I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him that if God is calling me or asking me to do something or he's asking me to be obedient and he's telling me that this is best for me, that I can take him at his word. And I just believe you can't go wrong. I want to pray for us. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your call in our very imperfect lives. And Lord, I'm thankful that I know in, in many times I, I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm trying to listen to you and I'm trying to be obedient to you. There are times, Lord, where I, I take things and I take them into my own hands. God, it's, it's not, I'm thankful for your patience with me. I'm thankful for your patience with us. 
because, Lord, I also recognize that that's really not how I want to live. I want to trust you. I want to take my hands off. It's just hard. But I pray that you would continue to stretch our faith to believe in your great promises and that, Lord, you can do even the things that seem impossible. God, may we trust you even more today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Crossbridge Podcast. The mission of Crossbridge is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. So please let us know how we can come alongside you and support you and pray for you by visiting crossbridge.church.